This is the Hawthorne 73 Drive Podcast. Design, rigor, innovate, victory, everyone. What's driving you? Thank you for joining us for another episode of the D73 Drive Podcast. We are on the V for victory of Drive. And this time we're talking about the study that mentioned how tone of voice changes classroom culture. And so we've got Catherine Balmas, who teaches at Middle School North. Hi, Catherine. Hi, everybody. Hi, John. How are you? Do you want to tell for anybody who does not work at Middle North and may not know who you are, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself real quick? Sure. I am Catherine Momus. As John said, I teach at Middle Middle School North. I have, this is year 25 for me. Nice. I did 14 years in Spanish, a year in first grade, which I regret. God love all of you <laughs> first grade teachers out there. It was and not for <laughs> yeah, it was not for me. And then switched to social studies mid-career, and I've been doing that ever since, eighth and seventh, so. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so this study is how tone of voice can change that classroom culture. So I was just going to ask you, because I know I've worked with you before, both when I was a instructional coach and as a teacher here in the building. So I've seen firsthand how you kind of use your tone of voice in the classroom. So maybe just we'll start with that. How do you think your tone of voice, or do you actually think about that, or do you feel like it's something that is just you like is this something other people could replicate? i definitely think it's something that people could replicate i to be honest hadn't really given it a lot of thought before reading some of these studies that you had shared with me but what i love to do with my tone of voice is i love to do <laughs> accents if you will mm. i love to play it up a little bit sometimes the kids need a little fun and a little pizzazz and what what i teach allows me to do that pretty readily I'm a big fan of just what I call the warm demander. And many people have read, there's lots of studies on warm demanding, like just that you are a caring human being, but that you have those rigorous expectations for kids and you don't let them kind of get away with whatever it is that they wish to get away with. And do you feel like, like, do you see, what kind of results do you see then from your kids in your class? My kids are extremely responsive. I mean, I, I like everyone else. There are times when the kids, you have to give them a, moment okay did we need a moment to chat okay take two minutes and let's do it but in general you know i find that if i'm talking most of them are kind of on edge and if or i start talking to myself sometimes they're like Mm -hmm. what is happening right or like you do an accent something different it's that novelty Mm -hmm. that catches kids all the time anyway that i think really brings the kids back in i and i've gotten i've noticed that I tried to replicate some of that when I went from classroom teaching here at the middle school to instructional coach. And sometimes I would go into an elementary school and I'd co-teach with a teacher or something. I noticed that sometimes doing the accents and because I would do the same thing, like very, very similar. Um, sometimes that gets a little bit lost on some of the younger kids, but I've noticed it does work pretty well with the middle school kids. They do like the, the kind of the humor and the novelty of it all. And I used to do some of the same things too. I would, you know, if class got loud, then I'd get quiet. Yep. And then that was like, wait, he's saying, and a lot of times if you reserve certain tones and reserve certain ways that you do things for very specific times, for sure, that's almost kind of like a, a little code switch for the kid. Yes. Like, Ooh, wait, no, time to listen because he's using that voice or <laughs> he's quiet. Or that he's, voice. Yes. Oh, our... he, or he started talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. No, I feel like there are definite times and you will not. I do not. I'm not a voice raiser by trade unless there is something unsafe happening. Right. And if I am using that tone of voice, it is because I need you and I need it. So I think that's very inevitably very important. I thought it was very interesting in this reading that they talked about 
how we don't really get trained in tone of voice. That it isn't something that is part of, you know, our school of education that we kind of come in and you kind of figure it out. But I also, I am one that you will find I am driving home, talking to myself, doing all my little things and just alive and energetic, active and the body language that comes along with it. Those three things together, it's body language, words that you're using and tone of voice with kids. Those three things are pivotal in instruction yeah. and what you want to get out of. Yeah. Do you do anything or have you seen anybody do anything where you'd say this would be a good way if, if let's say a new teacher, we have a lot of new teachers in mm. the district. What would you have any suggestions on what would be a good way for those new teachers to practice some of this? Or do you ever, I know some people to kind of self-evaluate, some people record themselves. Some people, you know, take notes on what they did that day, like a journal or things like that. Like, is there anything that you could suggest for new teachers in the district that might want to maybe they haven't reflected on oh like you said never thought about my tone of voice but i i'm thinking about it oh after hearing this and i'd like to try a few things to see if that makes a difference for me yeah so i use with my students a lot i use um screencastify so i use that to record our readings for class i have a lot of students who just prefer the audio with the reading so i will record those and I think it's important for you to go back and listen to yourself. What is your speed? What is your, like your, what's your cadence? What's your tone of voice? Are you taking pauses? Are you talking to your audience during those readings? And is it okay to have side conversations with your kids as they're reading, if they're listening along? I think all of those things matter. I also use Moat, which I know a lot of teachers um, have used in the past to give feedback, because I think that a lot of times my tone of voice tells a story much more than my written feedback to kids. Yeah. Um, so like for Canvas, and I'm certain that Google has it as well, like just to provide those extra supports for our kids because I think they lose it in the writing. I used to do that when years and years and years ago, way before we were one-to-one, there was some add-on that you could get for Google Docs. And so I would have students, when they submit stuff to me electronically, I would do that and I would do like the voice feedback. I could do a recording because what I really liked about that, kind of what you're saying, is I knew that even even though I tried to practice that being kind and compassionate and everything else in class, sometimes students would read my handwritten feedback on an essay and, and say, whoa, he like tore that apart. He hates me. <laughs> like, since when has Mr. Reed ever indicated that he hates you? <laughs> right. That's like you're for, oh, he doesn't like me because I got, you know, feedback on this essay. So that's when I started to try to do for specific students at first and then for all of them eventually was I tried to do that verbal feedback because I figured you can hear in my tone I'm not angry at you I'm just showing you something technical that that, uh, you need to change you need to revise this personal attack on you which I think a lot of middle school kids for sure will take any kind of feedback sometimes very personally (laughs) yes it's not personal it's grammar no it's not (laughs) personal Yeah. And it's interesting to me because a couple things came out of the study that I thought were really unique. First and foremost, I've never really asked my students how they feel about the way in which I speak to them. But I wonder, because the, the study said that the perception of kids can be very different, obviously, than your perception of how you're presenting. So, I think I'm quirky and fun, but do they? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I'm having a great time. Right. I don't... <laughs> I don't know why you're not. They're all frowning, but I'm smiling. <laughs> right. So to consider putting some of that in our reflections, yeah. like at the end of the trimester or end of a unit of study, even even for those little feedback things or when you're conferencing with kids, mm-hmm. like how are you taking that? I think would be unique. I haven't done it myself, yeah. but I think it would be um, universally unique. The other thing that came out of this study that I really liked 
and didn't really think about was that that authoritative tone, so the compared authoritative tone to warm demanders or supportive mm -hmm. tones. And what was interesting is, of course, as we all know, the authoritative tone for middle school and probably for elementary as well, they usually you know, cause rebellion rather than cooperation. But what I thought was really interesting is the less likely to disclose personal experiences. Yeah. And so that shut off of things we need to know about kids, they're less likely to share if they don't feel that warmth coming mm -hmm. from us. Yeah. And then this one was real deep buried, but just less information retention. That yeah. that authoritative tone can cause that. And I hadn't really thought about how my tone of voice directly can affect retention. So I thought that was also unique. Again, a lot of it is just reflective, I think, right. in watching yourself and getting out and seeing other teachers and how they interact with kids. You know, my lunchroom experience is very different. <laughs> yes. Are but, you a warm demander in the lunchroom? Yes, I am a okay, okay. definite warm demander. Um, it gets a lot warmer. <laughs> yes. Well, fortunately, the mic helps with that. There you go. Here. But, you know, I just find... That's why they call it a hot mic sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's hot yeah. in the lunchroom. It's yeah. hot. But just having that moment and, and playing it up. I like to pretend that I'm an actress in everything I do. And so, you know, I didn't get that career on stage. I'm not making right. the millions of dollars I thought I was going to. So why not bring it to the classroom every day? Yeah. And, and the kids feed off of the energy you give. Yeah. So in your tone of voice, those things matter. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking a few minutes and talking to us. You're very welcome. I hope anybody listening, especially if you're a new teacher and this is something you haven't thought about before, you know, definitely something to reflect on. And like you said, there's a lot of benefits that come along with it. So if it's something, if you're struggling or if there's something that you're thinking, I just, I'm not, something connecting with my students, just consider this, consider tone of voice, record yourself, use some of these different strategies that, that Catherine has mentioned and give it a try. So we, and I'd be curious to know if you give it a try and you see a big difference in your classroom, reach out, let us know, because we'd like to let other people know and help if there's other ways we can support to to help other people kind of examine this and, and help be reflective with and that would be awesome yeah love it go go eagles we rock thanks for joining us on another episode of the d73 drive podcast design rigor innovate victory everyone what's driving you